Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Everyone right here. Championship for Notre Dame! Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com. The free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Well, a pleasant good afternoon, everyone. Budweiser's weekday sports beat back live on this Tuesday, May the 30th of 2023. My name is Darren Pritchett, eight minutes after five o'clock. Hope you had a terrific Memorial Day weekend. Thank you so much to all of our veterans, active personnel for making this country so great and allowing us to sit around and talk some sports here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, we were off yesterday and now back ready to go. Four shows this week here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We are streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. We have a video feed right now on the Twitch app. Well, here we go. We've got a shortened show tonight because the South Bend Cubs are taking on those Fort Wayne Tin Caps over in Fort Wayne tonight. Their pregame coverage is going to start at 6.15, so i got to be out of here right around 6.10, but we'll get to some hopefully what you think are fun topics here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. We've got our hat trick of opening topics coming up in just a couple of moments. We have our Twitter question of the day ready to roll for tonight. Also, we've got the top five wins of the weekend, as well as a little sizzler conversation, a sports wagering segment. On Friday, I went all in on the Chicago Cubs. Three of the four suggestions were on the Cubbies, who were taking on the Reds at Wrigley Field. So I went in on two Cub hitters on a player prop and the Cubs to win, and 
Then they got no hit until the eighth inning and got one hit, and we lost all three of those suggestions. So thank you, Cubbies, for that, but a great win yesterday by Chicago, shutting out the great Tampa Bay Rays 1-0 as Marcus Stroman threw a gem, a one-hit shutout for the Northsiders. So a very, very nice Memorial Day at Wrigley Field, packed crowd. Here's what I don't get. I am not a businessman. I'm not a, well, I guess I am a promotional person. I promote the show, social media. I promote the show during the show. So I guess, yeah, I guess I am a promoter. I'm not Don King, but I promote the things on our airwaves. So maybe I'm not the smartest guy right now that you're listening to or around, but how can Major League Baseball have so many teams idle on Memorial Day? There were a lot of teams that didn't play yesterday. It was a short schedule in Major League Baseball. Let's think about this. If you're a business owner and you have the chance to get more customers into your store on certain days of the year, wouldn't you want your business to be open? Or if you have several stores, wouldn't you want all of those stores open on important days or days where you might get more customers? Well, look at yesterday. Memorial Day in Major League Baseball, there was a game in St. Louis, Baltimore, Detroit, north side of Chicago, Arizona, Houston, San Francisco, Oakland, Chicago, L.A., Mariners. So there were quite a few games, but there were a bunch of teams that were idle. And if you're an owner of a Major League Baseball team and your team is in the midst of a homestand, why wouldn't you want to play on Memorial Day when you have a better chance to have a fantastic crowd than you normally would on a regular old Monday. For so many years, Major League Baseball has been its own worst enemy. Now, they've changed the script this year. You have to applaud Major League Baseball for making changes. All of a sudden, we have games that are taking 30 minutes longer Offense is up, batting averages are up, stolen bases are way up. Because the shift was taken out, all of a sudden we're seeing more athletic plays rather than balls just hitting into the analytic shifts and routine plays are made. Now those routine plays might be a really good play or a spectacular gold glove type play. So Major League Baseball's done a lot of good things this year to bring a little more excitement into the game, more offense in less time. The only negative about that is beer sales. And now we're starting to see major league teams. They have decided to get rid of that. Well, we're going to stop selling beer after the seventh inning since the games are about a half an hour shorter. And now you're stopping in the seventh inning. You might be missing 45 minutes to an hour of beer sales. So all of a sudden, well, wait a minute. I think we should sell beer. Past the seventh inning, and now we are seeing teams doing that at Major League Ballparks. And I can't blame them because that is really good, and I mean really good revenue. Otherwise, baseball's kind of doing some good things, but then they don't have everybody playing on Memorial Day, which is just absolutely baffling to me. The only other thing baffling me right now is how I've allowed In our lobby right across from my studios, we have a little lounge. There's a refrigerator, and someone left 
some delicious donuts in there. Am I allowed to say Amish crack on the air? I, I guess so. If if that's wrong, Bill, I apologize, but that's what they're called around here. For people outside the area, there are these amazing donuts, cinnamon, and whatever. It's the most amazing donut. You have one, you have to eat five. And there are two or three sitting in a container, and I've not grabbed one yet. I think for the people watching on Twitch, maybe I should enjoy one just to, you know, show them how delicious these donuts are. So during the break, maybe maybe I jump into the fun and have one of those donuts because it would be a shame for those to go to waste. I, it would be awful if someone threw those away tomorrow morning. That would be a catastrophe. So maybe I should help out. A little less garbage in the world would be a really good thing. So I'll probably break down and have one of those yummy donuts here in just a couple of moments. All right, let's get started with our hat trick of opening topics for this Tuesday. Hat trick, of course, means three in hockey, so we've got three opening topics for you here on WSBT Radio. We begin with Notre Dame adding a running back. He is Penn State's Devin Ford. Devin spelled D-E-V-Y-N. Devin Ford jumped into the transfer portal and now is a member of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Why is Notre Dame adding a running back? Which seems pretty logical without hearing an explanation from them. Recently, Notre Dame's number two leading running back from last year, Logan Diggs, decided, I'm going to jump into the transfer portal. And after a few weeks of pondering, he has landed in Baton Rouge. And he'll play for his old coach, Brian Kelly, at LSU. I guess he just wanted to be part of the family once again. So with Logan Diggs gone, all of a sudden the depth chart looks a little thinner than you would like. Also, if you're going to keep Chris Tyree at wide receiver, of course, Chris Tyree, a three-year running back for this Fighting Irish football program, moved to wide receiver during spring practice. Sure seems like the Irish liked what they saw, and he's going to stick. So, Notre Dame has added a little more depth to what is still a pretty good running back room, or should I say the potential of being an outstanding running back room. If you had Estime and Diggs still on the roster, and despite some of the depth pieces not being proven in a game yet, I think we all agree that they're going to be really, really good football players, but until you see it, you got to be a little more cautious. So if it's Estime and Diggs, you're feeling like, this is a sensational running back room. Right now, we'll say it's the potential of being a sensational running back room because you still have Audric Estime, who led the team in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns last year. Lost some weight, added some muscle, looked quicker without losing any power. That's going to be fun to watch. You got Jabron Payne, who took the place of Diggs when Diggs was injured during the spring, so he got a lot of looks. Looked okay. You got Jadarian Price, who was supposed to be a big part of last year, but unfortunately that Achilles tear after spring practice cost him the season. I've seen video of him running. Boy, he looks electric. And you would assume is going to be a really good piece for the Irish. Then you've got an exciting freshman running back coming in in Jeremiah Love, the only running back coming in in the last recruiting cycle. 
So you've got four players at the top of the depth chart. Estime is one. And let's just assume right now before fall camp starts, Payne is two, Price is three, Love is four, and that could change during fall camp. If you break it down, you know what you have in Estime. He's proven. What he accomplished last year, you feel good. Jabron Payne should be just fine. Had a really good spring, untested in game action. Not a lot of action under his belt in true games, but we think he's going to be okay. Jadarian Price, no game action. Jeremiah Love, of course, no game action. So Devin Ford comes in and at least brings you a player who has been there and done that. And you take a look at his history he's an interesting player first off coming out of high school he was a four-star running back and the on three consensus rankings which is when you take all the main services you average the numbers together it's a consensus ranking in 2019 Devin Ford was the number five overall running back recruit 5'11 200 pounds but for whatever reason at Penn State he could never be the guy in four years with the Nittany Lions he rushed for a total of 666 yards and six touchdowns he also caught 20 passes for 103 which in this offense as we know that is a huge positive look at the catches Tyree out of the backfield, Diggs, Estime can catch it. So that's a plus. Now he started six games in four years at Penn State, but as each year passed, the amount of playing time diminished. As a true freshman, 12 games for Devin Ford at Penn State. As a sophomore, six games, five starts. 274 rushing yards on 67 carries and three touchdowns during his sophomore campaign. 2020, COVID year, played in nine games for Penn State. Then in 2021, he sustained an injury that really set him back. He finished with 14 carries for 61 yards. He was a primary kickoff return man for Penn State, which is interesting. Nine returns for 191 yards with a long of 36 yards. Now, this past season, only seven carries for 37 yards. He left the Penn State program in early October. We are told that he left the team to focus on academics. That's the story of Penn State head coach James Franklin. Well, Ford jumped into the transfer portal and has emerged in South Bend, ready to play for the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. So great potential coming out of high school. Had a good run at Penn State, but was not a full-time difference maker for that Penn State offense. And as I laid out early on, a lot of opportunities. And as each year went on, Maybe dropped out of favor and eventually just left the team in October and now joins a very interesting running back room at Notre Dame. It's 
Kind of interesting to think where he might land on the depth chart. I, I laid out the Irish running backs at the start of this conversation. But does he fit in at number three behind Payne and ahead of the young guys, Price and Love, just to his veteran status? Price is so electric, it's, it's hard to imagine he's going to stay way down the depth chart for very long. But it's a good insurance policy for Dylan McCullough and that running back room. You can never have enough good football players on a team. A guy that's been there and done that. He's played the game at the highest level. And now he joins a running back room that needed one more body with the departure of Logan Diggs. So now we've got Audric Estime, Jabron Payne, Jadarian Price, Jeremiah Love, and now Devin Ford. We'll get our first look at Devin when fall practice gets underway in a little less than two months. What are we, about seven weeks away from the start of training camp? It's got to be somewhere in that ballpark considering Notre Dame plays in week zero this year, August the 26th. So if you just do a little math, that means probably – they will start sometime in late July. Normally, it's early August when you play your first game in early September, but Notre Dame is playing in week zero, one of seven games, August 26th. So I would imagine the Irish will start training camp at the end of July. So your Notre Dame football season is just a tad bit longer this year, playing in week zero and training camp. I'm assuming it's going to move up at least a week this year so if you're not a big baseball fan you thrive in a football season you got about seven more weeks the NFL I think is 99 98 days away from that Detroit Lions Kansas City Chiefs matchup so things are happening OTAs I know the Bears were on day one of an OTA today so there should be some bear news this week as well Colts the same All right, so Devin Ford from Penn State joins the Notre Dame running back room. Where he fits in, we'll monitor during fall camp. Hat trick of opening topic number two. Notre Dame lacrosse wins their elusive national title. Congratulations to head coach Kevin Corgan, kind enough to join the program twice over the last month, talking about this Notre Dame lacrosse team that just had a chip on their shoulder for the last year. Simply put, they were robbed of an NCAA tournament bid last year. The people who follow lacrosse on a daily basis, they say the same thing. Notre Dame was robbed. The best teams did not get into the field last year. And as we found out yesterday during the ESPN broadcast of the game, Apparently, the Cavanaugh's had last year's NCAA tournament brackets taped up on their locker. Brackets that did not have Notre Dame's name on it. Now, this is a highly skilled team that had success beating Duke during the regular season, the number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Both of their losses to the same team, Virginia. But the Irish... Proved third time is the charm as they rallied from two goals down with two minutes to go in regulation. 
to tie Virginia in the national semifinals and then won it in overtime to get to the title game for the third time in program history, all three meetings against the Duke Blue Devils. And boy, did Notre Dame come out rolling in Philadelphia yesterday. The Fighting Irish raced out to a 6-1 lead. That was the halftime score against arguably the best offense in the country. The Duke Blue Devils, they had one goal in the first half. You figured Duke was going to make a run, but wow, a major push in the third quarter as the Devils tied the game at seven with a minute to go in the third. And all of a sudden, the complexion of the game changed. But Notre Dame did not blink. From the time it was 7-7, they re-grabbed control of the game. They scored the next two to go up 9-7. Eventually, they would outscore the Blue Devils 6-2 to end the game. And Notre Dame, you can throw your sticks and helmets. In hockey, we throw gloves and sticks. It's kind of unsafe to throw helmets because if it hits somebody in the head, that's not cool. Man, these lacrosse guys are throwing those helmets in the air, and I'm thinking, holy cow. Don't hit anybody in the head. They throw helmets and sticks in lacrosse. But it was a beautiful sight. Kevin Corrigan came to South Bend in 1988, 35 years as the head coach of this program. They have been knocking on the door for so long, and it's wonderful to see Kevin and his team celebrate a championship yesterday. And how about their goaltender? Talk about a tough job. You got these lacrosse balls flying at you at, what, 60, 70 mile an hour with very little padding, nothing on their arms or knees. Man, that's not a lot of fun. And he was spectacular, the best goalie in the country, a first-team All-American. He was ready for Duke yesterday. He had seven saves in the fourth quarter when the lights were brightest. He finished with a season-high 18 saves in the contest, and Notre Dame wins 13-9. And how about the grit of this team? They were banged up and bruised. Pat Cavanaugh had a hamstring injury. He had a massive bruise. Chris Cavanaugh, his brother, had stitches in his forehead during the game against Duke. I mean, if we're watching college football, Pat got targeted by a Duke guy. I mean, he lowered his head and hit him in the side of the helmet. Pat's helmet goes flying off. In college football, you're thrown out of the game. In lacrosse, it was, what, that one extra minute of full time? And you don't get kicked out. Man, if you don't get kicked out for that, lacrosse is a great sport. You can get away with anything. (laughs) Holy cow, that was a massive hit. That was phenomenal. But Pat got up, kept playing. And Notre Dame got it done again. Congratulations, Kevin Corrigan and the Irish for winning the title. And what a great fan base here in South Bend. One of the best home crowds in the country. Notre Dame, I think, was in the top four in home attendance. There was a great atmosphere, a great product to watch, tailgating going on. They got food trucks out at those games. It's become a very important event on the Notre Dame athletic calendar when Notre Dame lacrosse plays at home. So 
you could get in for free to regular season games last year. We'll see if being champions changes that. But even if the admission is a few bucks, I have a feeling those stands are going to be jammed. In particular, after winning the national title, I've watched the last few years, but really not gotten into it. But I really got into watching it this year a little bit more and then having Coach on, Pat Cavanaugh on the program. Brings a little more interest from my standpoint. And that title game was thrilling. I mean, so much fun to watch. First half was like, holy cow, they're going to blow them out. And then it's nail-biting time in the third, and then the Irish close strong, and they've got themselves a natty. And our third and final hat trick of opening topics for this Tuesday, a strange ending at the greatest spectacle in racing. Some are calling it a controversial ending to the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500. First, what a great win for Josef Newgarden, who had done everything in the sport except win the crown jewel race. A two-time Indy Racing League champion, had finished in the top 10 of the 500 numerous times, just couldn't get over the hump. And the racing media, of course, when the calendar moves to May, what do you get asked? How come you haven't won the Indianapolis 500? You haven't done this. Is your career going to be a failure if you don't win the 500? Well, you could imagine he was tired of answering those questions. He doesn't have to worry about it anymore. New Garden, who drives for Roger Penske, picked up the victory the 19th for Mr. Penske, who owns the racetrack now, as well as being the man in charge of Penske Racing. So, on Sunday, when we had an unprecedented one-lap shootout, to end the race, there's a lot of people throwing around a lot of conspiracy theories saying that the race was fixed because New Garden and Penske wasn't going to win. It was going to be Erickson going back to back. We had three red flags in the final 30 minutes of the race, or actual 30 minutes on our watch. So we had this one-lap shootout, which is a little uncharacteristic, which led to the defending champion, Erickson, who was in the lead going into that last lap, unable to become the first back-to-back 500 winner in 21 years when Elio Castroneves went back-to-back. Erickson was the leader when a crash brought out the yellow flag. IndyCar ran three laps under caution before deciding to throw the red flag for an Indy 500 record third time. Now, if you don't follow racing, red flag sends the cars to the pits and they shut off the cars, and they do that because of the severity of a wreck and how much time it's going to take to get the track ready to race. When the lap total got down to three remaining and a crash occurred, there was really no way to finish the race unless you red flag. And they decided to go that route. Three times in the last 16 laps, we had red flags. Now, Erickson and his team, of course, wanted the race to end under yellow. 
That would have meant the Swede was the Indy 500 champion back-to-back. He would have won an extra $421,000 jackpot for going back-to-back. Apparently, they put money into this little pot every year. And if we don't have a back-to-back winner, the pot grows. He would have won an extra $421,000. Didn't happen. Erickson felt like the series wasted two laps under caution, which created the situation in which cars came off pit road to take the green and white flags at the same time. All very, very strange. 2020, no red flag when the race ended under caution and was won by Takuma Sato as Scott Dixon had no chance to try a late pass for the win. Dixon, a six-time IndyCar champion, but only one-time winner of the 500, said this week that the defeats the end under caution are the ones that bother him the most. The most. So he doesn't want the race to end under caution. IndyCar said in 2020 there wasn't enough laps remaining to stop the race for a final restart following a crash with five to go. Four years later, the series now thinks two laps is enough for a red flag. So, see, we're changing the rules, and different people are winning for different reasons. That's a problem. You need stability. You need one set of rules. You can't just bounce around. And you wonder this. Now, I say this as someone as a kid. I was a big A.J. Foyt fan, the four-time champion of the 500. I remember for Christmas one year, I got an A.J. Foyt car set you got the van the orange van with the aj foyt racing sticker on the side then you had a little trailer and then you had his indy car on the back that looked just like it and then you had the aj foyt figure i kept that i don't know whatever happened to it years and years later but i kept that for a long long time loved aj aj's now 88 years old he had not won the 500 as an owner since he was 64 years old when Kenny Brick won the greatest spectacle in racing. You have to wonder. AJ's guy was right there in the mix as well. Do they red flag if it's not an AJ car? I don't know. I don't think because Penske's car was in it, that's why they did this. I think we have to keep in mind the race needs to be as fair as possible Again, one set of rules. Let's don't change it, but we need to see an exciting finish. There is nothing worse maybe in all of sports than a big race ending under caution. Daytona 500, Coca-Cola 600, Indy 500. Pick your favorite race. A race that ends under caution is a major letdown for the fans and the drivers and the teams and for television and for radio. It's not good. So there needs to be something put in place that allows races to end under green. The problem is you could have six, seven restarts at the end because everybody goes for it. We saw that at Indy with those three red flags in the last 16 laps. All day, people were cautious, didn't take chances, and then all heck breaks loose when you've got 15 cars hoping to win the 500. So, yeah, it does lead to a lot of longer races. you got to get the track clean every time there's a wreck. But finishing under green, to me, is something that needs 
to happen. Caution finishes are not good for anybody. Now, if it's a race in Fontana, the streets of Detroit, St. Petersburg, okay, maybe different rules for that. But the Indy 500, the Daytona 500, you just can't finish under caution. It's good for no one. So I don't mind them doing whatever they can to try to finish the race green. But I will say this. we got to stick to a set of rules now. One person winning one year with one set of rules and one person winning the next year with a different set, it leads to suspicious thoughts and conspiracy theories. I get it. You can avoid that by having a set of rules for the race every year. They've done this for 107 years. You would think by now we would have a system in place where you wouldn't have to change it or the thought process every couple of years. Can't blame Erickson for being mad, but Newgarden won. He's the champion, and we move on to the 108th Indy 500 next year, and it will be interesting to see if they make changes to the end-of-race policy after the discrepancies the last couple of years, and now all of a sudden having a one-lap shootout for the 500, a little different than they normally do but it was a fun race man that was great stuff i know we had the monaco race on just as background noise the f1 race it's pouring rain on parts of the course the regular race tires are slick no grip i mean it's like watching someone with a walker crossing the street i mean they were tiptoeing through that track the hairpin turns People sliding all over the place, and then they go get the grip tires, and that just wasn't a whole lot of fun from my standpoint. Indy, though, it was great. That was a great afternoon of racing at the Brickyard, and it's great to see the 500. It's kind of back. For a while, it was down. It wasn't sold out. 300,000 fans there, but can we drop the blackout in Indy? That's just silly. If it's sold out, let people watch the race for crying out loud. 5.39 is our time. Our hat trick of opening topics. Notre Dame adds a running back. Penn State's Devin Ford. Notre Dame lacrosse wins their elusive national championship and a controversial ending at the greatest spectacle in racing. It is 5.40 right on the dot. Budweiser's weekday sports beat from Sports Radio 960. WSBT. We are going to take a timeout. We'll come back with our Twitter question of the day next as Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and the WSBT Radio app. Abby Wepler. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on WSBT Radio is brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser, the King of Beers. Locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Now with three locations to serve you, Barnaby's the Family Inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Hunger is a Story We Can End. Find out how at feedindiana.org. And Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies, 
Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, let's go back to the last time we had a Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Friday. The question I posted on my Twitter account at 960 Sports Beat was From the Power Five schools listed, which will be Notre Dame football's most lopsided win this year? So, Power Five only. So, that eliminates, of course, Tennessee State in week two. It also eliminates Navy, not a Power Five school. So, from the Power Five schools listed, which will be Notre Dame football's most lopsided win this year? I picked the four that I believe would be the leading candidate to be the most lopsided opponent. The choices were a home game against the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Choice number two, a home game versus the Pittsburgh Panthers. Choice number three, we head out to the farm for the season finale against the Stanford Cardinal. And the fourth and final choice, a road game against the Louisville Cardinals. Those were the choices. And now here are the results. Let's start in fourth place. Only getting 5.9% of the vote. The Pittsburgh Panthers, led by their new quarterback, former Irish backup, Phil Jerkovic, who was extremely outspoken and misguided in some Twitter posts while a member of Boston College the day of the Notre Dame game at Notre Dame Stadium in a game in which he couldn't play because he was injured. After all these years, we're still writing about Notre Dame. Don't get that. Very immature. If he did it on his own, not a great choice. If he was told it was okay, a very bad choice. I enjoyed Phil. I was a Phil supporter, but that I'm not going to support. There's no use trashing Notre Dame over the past. If you've got an issue, he did stories about it, and then you got to bring it all up again. Just didn't make sense. Bad choice. So I don't think Notre Dame fans are very scared of Phil Jakovic playing quarterback against them, to be quite frank. I'm not being mean to him, but I can't disagree. Faced him at Boston College, and he did not have a very good game against the Irish. Now he'll be a Pitt Panther, and Notre Dame fans are not scared of Phil. Phil Dracovic, 5.9% of the vote. Pittsburgh has the most lopsided game this year. I still think it's going to be a blowout. just wasn't the number one choice. Coming in third place in the voting the road game at Louisville that game comes during a very interesting stretch I think it's tricky because of where it is on the schedule you've got the massive home game against Ohio State September 23rd then last week we had a vote about trap games this game won at Duke is the week after Ohio State 
So after you play Ohio State, you play your trap game against Duke. Then you have another road game the next week at Louisville. So it's the trap of the trap game, I guess. But only 7.8% believe that this will be the most lopsided game. So maybe that's what they're thinking as well. Tough stretch. And by the way, the week after that is USC. So that game is just in the midst of some really interesting contests. From the Power 5 schools listed, which will be Notre Dame football's most lopsided win this year. Second in the voting, 29.4% say it will be the Wake Forest Demon Deacons at Notre Dame Stadium, the season finale coming off a bye November the 18th. Well, Wake Forest's best weapon now plays for the Irish. Quarterback Sam Hartman. But winning the vote easily, 56.9% who voted on 960 Sportsbeat on Twitter say the most lopsided game involving a Power 5 opponent will be the Stanford Cardinal. Cardinal have a new coach from Sacramento State. They're starting quarterback left. It's going to be a rebuild at Stanford. It might be a couple of years before they are competitive now. With the transfer portal, you can get better quickly, but I would have to imagine if Notre Dame struggles in, in some spots to bring in players due to academics, Stanford would be in the same boat or a bigger boat than the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. So, according to you, from the Power 5 schools listed, which will be Notre Dame football's most lopsided opponent this year, and 56.9% say... All right, that is our Twitter question of the day results from Friday. On Tuesday, which is today, this is the question I posted this afternoon again at 960 Sportsbeat on Twitter. Which football roster is better? Which football roster is better? Simply put, here are your two choices. The 2022 Notre Dame football team that went 9-4, beating South Carolina in the Gator Bowl but also losing to Marshall and Stanford. Or your other choice, is this roster better? This year's Notre Dame football team. So which roster is better, the 22 Irish or the 23 Irish? I'm really curious to see what you think. Quarterback position can make a big, big difference maybe in this vote. We'll see. But there are some parts of this year's team that looks weaker than last year's, so maybe it all balances out. We'd love to get your vote and your thoughts. Just log on to Twitter and find my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. It is 5.53. We'll take a timeout. SportsBeat continues in just a moment on Sports Radio 960 WSBT South Bend. Listen. One question, five answers. This is the My 5 Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. All right, here comes our My 5 for today. The five biggest winners of the weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. We start with Joseph Newgarden, who won the Indianapolis 500 part of Ed Carpenter Racing until he moved over to Penske Racing, and now he's a two-time series champion. And he finally won the 500 after finishing 8th and 18th, then 4th in 2019, 5th 
in 2020. Didn't finish in the top 10 the last two years, but Penske and New Garden got it done on Sunday, winning the Indy 500. New Garden, who's been asked about doing everything but win the 500 for so long, had this to say, quote, I'm still in the camp that the championship is tougher, but I don't know how you compare the two. You're looking at one standalone versus a championship, and putting a championship together is, I think, very, very difficult. You really see the best rise to the top. You see the best team, the best pit stop performance. Consistently, it adds up over a year, and it's very difficult to do that. This is the single most difficult race in the world to win. I'll stand by that. There's no doubt. End quote. Fourth biggest winner of the weekend, Cubs pitcher Marcus Stroman. He threw a one-hitter yesterday as the Cubbies beat the best team in baseball. The Tampa Bay Rays won nothing for Stroman in his big league career. His fourth complete game, second shutout. His first complete game shutout since his rookie year, 2014, as a Toronto Blue Jay against, of course, the Chicago Cubs. Stroman almost had a no-hitter, gave up just a little flare base hit to Wander Franco leading off the seventh inning for the Cubs, a team that's under 500. That's six shutouts this year for the staff. And Stroman was the first Cub pitcher to go the distance without allowing a run since Alec Mills, no hitter at Milwaukee, September 13th, 2020. Okay, okay. Uh, number three, number three, the NIC baseball group, I guess we'll say, well, the conference at the top has been very good for a long time. Middle to bottom has not been great. But yesterday, the NIC saw four conference teams win sectional titles for a defending state champion, Penn. You had Marion winning a title, coming from behind to beat St. Joe. New Prairie beat a very good John Glenn team, and Bremen also picked up a sectional title. Number two. Second biggest winner of the weekend, the residents of South Florida. Their professional teams are doing quite well. Both eight seeds have reached their respective championship rounds. The eight-seeded Miami Heat outlasted the Boston Celtics 103-84 to advance to the NBA Final. Heat won the first three against Boston. Celtics roared back, won the next three, tried to become the first team ever to erase the 3-0 deficit, but the Heat got off to a great start, shut the door, and now they'll take on the Nuggets in the NBA Finals, game one in the Mile High City on Thursday. And then you have the eight-seeded Florida Panthers, Stanley Cup final after a four-game sweep of the Carolina Hurricanes. Next up, the Golden Knights. Game one in Vegas on Saturday. Number one. And the number one winner of the weekend, the Notre Dame lacrosse team winning the national championship 13-9 over Duke after getting to the title game twice before, losing to Duke both times. The Irish flipped the script, and they won their first national title, beating the Dukies. Up 6-1, then it was 7-7. Duke roared back, but the Irish closed strong and won 13-9. That is today's My Five. We're out of time for our Sizzler segment, so we'll just tell you this. Sports be brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Barnaby's the family in The Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Hunger is a Story We Can End. Find out how at feedindiana.org. And Bethel University, Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. South Bend Cubs baseball in one minute on WSBT. Every- 
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 